Josiah for the segment. So great. So let's jump right in. There used to be, Josiah, what appeared to be some mutual respect between Sean Hannity, Fox News propagandist, and Governor of California, Gavin Newsom. Even though, obviously, they're very politically different, they had a good back and forth, I guess. On the bromance scale, on a scale of, like, zero to us, like, they were, like, at least a solid seven, I think. Solid seven at one point. I don't like that implies one of us is Hannity. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> so that has gone away, that mutual respect, whatever it was. And I think some of that came from the DeSantis Newsom debate where Sean Hannity rigged it in DeSantis's paper. You, uh, you mean the DeSantis Newsom Hannity debate? Right. <laughs> oh, exactly. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And now things have really fallen apart further. And this is in regards to the Alabama IVF ruling that ruled that fertilized frozen embryos are human beings. So you can imagine that's already causing Alabama IVF centers to have to be shut down and so many negative implications of that. Another example of the danger of these far-right extremists even in the judiciary. And so Newsom had something on CNN just reasonable to say. And then Hannity heard that he said that and went out on his show and melted down. So first, let's look at what Newsom had to say. Speaking of courts, uh, the Alabama Supreme Court ruled uh, that frozen embryos are children. Um, they uh, invoked uh, the wrath of a, of a holy God yes. in their decision. Of um, multiple clinics in the state are now pausing their IVF treatments as a result. <laughs> uh, you called the decision sickening. Yeah, um, what are Democrats going to do about it, if anything? Well, we'll continue to be on the offense. We're, we're, we're backed up by the American people. We're backed up post-Dobbs. You just see these Republican parties on the defense on this issue for good reason, because the American people have had it. This extremism manifested, the ultimate extremism, on the issue that impacts one out of every six people that in their lifetime have fertility issues. This is profound. And you talk about freedom, spare me. The Republican Party and this freedom gospel? What about family freedom? What about the right of people? people that want to start a family. And think about this, Jake, you know this, everybody knows this. You saw the stats, 65,000 births due to rapes since Dobbs in 14 states. Apparently, what the Republican Party is saying is the rapists have more rights to bring those babies to birth than families that are trying desperately to have the privilege you and I have had as fathers and parents. It is a disgrace, and it's a political problem for them, but it's a moral issue. And I found what happened in Alabama disgusting. And by the way, you have an AG in Alabama that also is out there promoting a travel ban that wants to criminalize travel for anyone that seeks an abortion out of state. That's how extreme the state of the Republican Party is. So I do want to say before we play Hannity's meltdown response, I think that what Gavin Newsom had to say on CNN, I thought that that was an extremely effective political message. I mean, we're just seeing it in its infancy. But the idea that framing as an issue that, according to far right Republicans, rapists have more reproductive rights than people trying to actually conceive children. I think that's going to be a very powerful message and will help maximize a policy area, reproductive rights, abortion, in which Democrats already have an outsized advantage. Yep. So I, I just thought that it was very powerful, which might explain Hannity's right. response. <laughs> Take a look. I'll tell you, the, the comments yesterday made by Gavin Newsom about how Republicans are putting rapists ahead of the women that they impregnate. By the way, Gavin, repulsive statement by you. And coming from you, 
I've got to be honest. Frankly, every crime committed in your sanctuary state of California, including raping and the murders that have taken place, illegal immigrants, that is because of your policies, Joe's Open Borders, where they literally are allowing unvetted illegal immigrants from Iran and Syria and Afghanistan and Egypt and Russia and China to cross our border. He bears that responsibility and Joe Biden bears that responsibility. And God forbid, you know, among those nearly 10 million illegals unvetted in this country, we wake up one morning like we did in 2001 on 9-11 and there's an attack. The, the likelihood of that is growing every day we do not secure the border. Yeah. That border must be secure. And I have a big announcement about that on Monday. So I'll have to go through there. Let's try to keep everything in our head that he just said my goodness first i want to say i'll throw it to you Josiah. i'm sick of this faux performative outrage you espouse harmful positions radical extreme positions even just based on like you mentioned the polling compared to other americans people like hannity are pushing for extreme positions then you go on your show after being called out for it and act like you're the one being slighted it's that ultimate victimhood thing we see from trump and uh, a lot of those within the MAGA movement, where instead of thinking about why do you think it is that Newsom worded that uh, worded that way, think about the point that he's making. The women that the policies you advocate for are harming. But no, it's Hannity who's personally slighted. And you could notice how aggravated he was, not because I think he's actually that upset about him being called out for his extreme positions, but instead because he knows how true potentially, or at least rhetorically effective, what Newsom said was yeah i i think he definitely you know hannity's not an idiot he can just do a really good impression of one <laughs> so he recognizes that again when it comes to reproductive rights democrats enjoy a colossal advantage because republicans are the dog that caught the car and i think he realizes that if newsom's rhetoric starts to become adopted by the democratic party it's going to maximize that outsized advantage and i think he sees that and that's why he's afraid but again yeah to his disgust is more with the effective rhetoric than the truth behind the rhetoric. And then what's funny is then the bromance just disintegrates right then and there. And you can see he turns to Gavin. He's like, Gavin, you know, I am just appalled. What a despicable statement as if Fox doesn't make despicable statements against Democrats, blue cities, blue states, California all the time. Yeah, And then right. he reciprocates. Yeah. And then he just he tears into a bunch of things where that point reminds me. And then we'll get to the, his comments about undocumented immigration. The ridiculous double standard of <laughs> Republicans say the most vicious things about blue states, about the just disgusting crime-ridden disaster that blue states and blue cities are. It's constant. Right. And that across the board surprises no one. And you don't hear segments of really any of those on the left be like, stop going after my... You cannot imagine a Republican or a Democrat doing that with red areas going after alabama i was in alabama it was just you would never hear right. that and it would be a controversy across the political spectrum cnn msnbc would be outraged if biden said such a thing and the thing is biden doesn't believe that which is uh, a part of it and if we are going to compare states we don't have to get into all the data that I've gone there so many times in the past here but it's just true on all the big metrics the struggling states are red states run by republicans it's not the citizens fault but they're elected leaders. I wish they would stop voting for them. But address just some of what he was talking about with undocumented immigration. 
first of all, being a big whataboutism, how does that address at all IVF? Right. Yeah, that's how you can tell it was emotional. He was like, well, you, you I don't the like border. you either. Yeah. <laughs> what about the border? And then, so, what's so funny because Republicans are have made themselves, especially in light of recent events, really vulnerable to a line of attack when you consider that Republicans tanked. They torpedoed a bipartisan, relatively conservative border bill uh, spearheaded by one of the most conservative Republicans in the Senate, whom Donald Trump, Sean Hannity's hero, endorsed in his election because he was so conservative on the border. And Republicans tanked it because they want to use it as a wedge issue. And then he's trying to shift responsibility. He's like, it's it's Joe Biden's open borders. It's Gavin Newsom's open borders. Well, even if we grant the premise, which we never should, yep. because Republican officials and Fox News propagandists are almost always wrong on the facts. But even if we generously grant the premise, well, then by definition, don't Republicans bear responsibility for it, given that they torpedoed a bill endorsed by the conservative anti-Biden pro-Trump border union yep. that was designed to deal with this? Don't you all bear responsibility if everything you, else you said was true? But no, of course not, because again, Hannity grades Republicans on curves. And then to set nothing aside, as I or to set aside the fact that um, you know illegal, uh, undocumented migrants actually commit crimes at lower rates compared to American like natural born citizens. It's just it's incredibly frustrating. And then of course the thing at the end about a nine eleven. They've been. I don't like saying this because it is so beyond anything we could imagine doing. That's true. The way they breathlessly, seemingly root on something horrible happening, and it's stunning. I will say, too, to debate on their ground, even though there's so much more to the broader immigration conversation. That this is why I said that he was going to be the Hannity of the bromance here. You see what I'm saying? That's why I said that at the end. <laughs> if we're going to go there, it is funny that they're not even wrong about or they, they are really wrong. They're not even correct about, like you said, the premise where if we granted that, that the border is being managed the way they're saying that it is, then they would definitely want to fix that with the very bill that Border Patrol said would be a dream best in decades that we've seen Congress do. But they shot it down. And Langford said a conservative pundit called him and threatened to destroy him if he tried to get this bill through so maybe that was sean handy that's who i speculate I, or laura ingram or somebody yeah. at the fox propaganda network it was certainly on the payroll but again I, to me my my issue with the 9-11 comment is it's really gross for a couple of reasons number one it hasn't happened yet so i don't know why you keep like republicans keep prophesying that such a thing will happen when there's no guarantee it will number one number two um we there you may recall a few months ago there was that car crash, car explosion on a bridge in New York, and Republicans pounced on it, saying, oh, it's a terrorist attack, it's a terrorist attack. And it turned out the FBI was like, no, it's not a terrorist attack at all. But it, sorry, let's just call it for what it is. It seems like among the right, there is this appetite for a terrorist attack on President Biden's watch so they can use it again as a wedge issue. And then I go back to the actual 9-11. When 9-11 occurred, the expectation of Republicans was you unite behind the sitting president, who at the time happened to be a Republican, George W. Bush. Now is not the time for partisan divides. You unite when America comes under attack. Republicans will not do that under a Democrat. I have absolutely no faith in that whatsoever, that even if the worst case scenario occurred, which God forbid it, it hopefully will not, they, they will use it as a wedge issue instead of uniting politically. It is the change in eras for sure. 
And when a Republican is in power and a crisis happened, Democrats are like, you know what? Yeah, let's unite around this. And then uh, we saw an attempt at that during COVID until things just started going nuts and became this whole political issue. But I forgot to finish out my point about not granting the premise. Just so you know, you were more likely as a migrant to be released during the Trump administration than during Joe Biden's administration. So yes, we've seen in recent years for a bunch of complex reasons that could be the subject of a whole different conversation, a surge in migration to the Southern border. President Biden's uh, options or his responsibility is just in how he responds, right? And so he hasn't been saying, yeah, we're not going to enforce laws or any of these myths they've been pushing. But again, regardless of if we disagree on that, even though there are facts in this world and those are the facts, um, still, you really can't talk about it now, Hannity Republicans, if you're the ones shooting down the very solution that the people you say you care about their opinion on, uh, the Border Patrol said this bill was exactly what they wanted and needed. And to your point about them then exploiting these crises, Border Patrol said after this bill was shot down, because it was shot down, they expect to have to release more people because they just can't um, hold the amount of numbers that we have. And they could have if this had gone through, but because it's not going to, they're going to release. What do you think Republicans are going to do whenever more migrants? They're, they're going to get, they're going to get even fear angry about it. But again, they're going to get angry. They're going to fear monger about it because again, I, I want to be very clear about this. And if you don't believe us because we're, we're liberals, we're lefties, whatever, we're in the pocket for Democrats is what we're told. Go to the Cato Institute. It's a right-wing libertarian institute. David Beyer is a guy who has been talking about this since the Biden administration began or really at the end of the Trump administration. The facts are there. The fact of the matter is that to the extent President Biden is, you know, releasing undocumented migrants, it's because the detention facilities are overfull. So if the number of uh, contacts at the southern border are increasing, right, but you only keep the manpower resources and policies the same, which they virtually are between the Trump administration, and the Biden administration, just President Biden is uh, more humane in his border enforcement. But if you don't actually like raise the manpower resources and policies to meet the moment, you're going to create a delta. And that's what we're experiencing. They want to pitch it that Joe Biden, for some sort of nefarious purpose, is allowing unvented, unvetted, un undocumented migrants into the country for some nefarious reason. It was because they just don't have the means to hold them at the border. And still, they were releasing a higher percentage. You were more likely to be released, yeah, under Donald Trump's administration, something that that same guy has been uh, pointing out. And just to be clear, when we say Sometimes I'm hesitant to talk about issues like this because there's so much I want to explain whenever we do get into them. But just to try to wrap this up, when we say release, it's because under international and U.S. law, we do have to hear out asylum claims, of course. And so while that process is happening before their court date, because it's backed up, because we don't have enough resources, because Republicans are obstructing, obstructing resources, right? then we have to release them before they come for their court date because we don't have enough uh, facilities and enough resources. Yeah, yeah, to be very, very clear about this, Luke and I are take are arguing from the position. We're, what we're trying to demonstrate is from their own premises, their own logic. Yep. The conservative argument doesn't follow. The Republican argument doesn't follow. So yeah, it's just it's maddening. But I guess the bromance is dead, which I'm happy about. I'm so sick of this. Let's not rant about this. This is a whole separate thing. Oh my my friends, my fellow, you know, my colleagues, when they're doing the things we're doing. But we'll leave it there. Carrie Lake. Uh, is a disaster. And she did a speech at CPAC. I want to look at that. Then we'll get to some do devastating news. We do. Do we? Have to? Hush up. We're doing it, Josiah. 
um, talked about this before. <laughs> um, and she right now is getting news about her campaign. It's not so great. And we'll get to that as well. So potentially that's why she's so bizarre in uh, this CPAC speech. So first this ideology. I like I like a strong man. We got way too many weaklings out there. How? Let me hear from the ladies out there. We're tired of the beta men. We want some alpha men. And we got a number one alpha man in Donald J. Trump. So, wow. I think there's two things on this. First, really, are we not beyond like elementary school, alpha, beta? Just grow up. But that's something. That's what somebody with cooties would say right there. Exactly. <laughs> Ew, you have goodies. You're, You're stupid. Beta male. Uh, but but also, if we're, let's, let's talk about it, Josiah. Let's talk about alpha, beta, sigma, whatever the different terms are. If anyone in the history of the United States has been anything but what I think they mean, an alpha male to me, the most sensitive, the most snowflakey, the most weak fee-feed person, proofed by the fact that Donald Trump, because he couldn't just be a man and accept that he lost the 2020 election like all of these other presidents have been able to do, suck it up, you lost, move forward. Instead, he created an anti-democratic lie, then tried to overthrow the democratic results of this election, then to this day is pushing an authoritarian agenda because, all because, he doesn't want to have to, in his own brain, just go, listen, sometimes people lose, let's move forward, like an adult. And that's how sensitive, that's how much of a beta, <laughs> that's so annoying, sorry, <laughs> Trump is, that now he's convinced his followers, just for that reason back there, to say they'd rather a dictator in Trump than a democratically elected Joe Biden. And by the way, what about all the high-profile recent defeats that Donald Trump has had under his belt, right? So... You have the the fact that he was found liable for sexual abuse and defamation and is going to have to pay E. Jean Carroll tens of millions of dollars. What about the New York civil fraud case in which he's going to have to pay hundreds of millions of dollars for defrauding the state of New York? What about all those elections that he's lost? Like all of them but one, right? Congratulations. You won in 2016. You didn't win the popular vote and you won the Electoral College thanks to a critical assist FBI Director James Comey, all right? But you lost in 2018, you lost in 2020, you lost in 2021 with the Republican Senate runoffs, you lost in 2022, you lost in 2023. Alpha males just losing out here. That is that is a heck of a beta impression from such an alpha, right? So gross. And guys, that's just one clip. I'll only, I'll only subject you to one more, then we'll get to the bad Carrie Lake news. Here it is. Listen, I want low unemployment numbers like we had with President Trump, but I'm okay if we have high unemployment in the fake news. Maybe they... Maybe you, uh, you guys, once your, uh, your fake news operations collapse, maybe you guys can go learn to code. Maybe they can learn to code. Under so good. So witty. She's so clever. You know, if the whole... Uh, being governor thing because she's still waiting on that to happen the rightful results and if the senate thing doesn't work she could definitely do stand-up comedy uh the problem would be packing that ring light up their mic and say yeah. mega filter do it over zoom yeah huh. so listen um 
I don't understand. So I just did. Let me back up. Show's coming out on Sunday. And yeah. It's called Deprogram. And it's where I sit down for an entire day. And then we slurp that. Nope. I don't know. Solidify that down. There we go. Um, to just a quick. <laughs> uh, this is not making me laugh. Uh, to just a quick episode where you see the little highlights of me throughout the day trying to convince these two Trump supporters to denounce Trump. You'll see how it turned out on Sunday. And during that, especially these two Trump supporters were especially uninformed, I'll say, uh, with love. And uninformed Trump supporters, you say. Uninformed Trump supporters. It was like a, you know, it was crazy. Okay. And uh, one of the things was on economic things. A bunch of people have said to me, they said, Luke, tears pouring down their face. They said, sir, <laughs> they said, sir, why is unemployment high? And they did this with their hands too. And I don't know what to do with that. As I said in a previous segment, there are facts in this world. <laughs> then there's MAGA <laughs> um, world. And how do you, just in case you're one of those people confused, unemployment has been lower for longer than we've seen in 50 years, sub 4% for two straight years. That's stunningly low. And that's under Biden. Joseph Biden. Robinette Biden. The Dark current president. Branded. The current president of the United States. And she sort of premised the, that joke off of, ah, oh, we would love to see low unemployment like we had under Trump. What about the better unemployment under Joe Biden? Right. Why do you want Why do you want uh, higher oh. unemployment? Oh, right. exactly. the American people? Yeah, exactly. Are you America <laughs> hater? Go to some other country if you hate America so much. I mean, hundred like when Donald Trump left office, like unemployment was upwards of six percent, right? I mean, he he left office with a net deficit of job loss, right? It's a completely alternate universe. I will say, Luke, she talks about unemployment. If she's looking for a job in the Senate, I don't know if that's looking so good for her oh, right now. Segue and a half. Love to see it. So just in case you're wondering, sometimes I'll hear these sorts of things and the whole fake news thing is so worn out. I'm so brave because I'm going to point at a bunch of cameras that are definitely not all conservative outlets at CPAC. And I'm going to point and say, fake news, and then get a cheer. You're so brave. This whole act, it's not working. So you can feel comfort and excitement about that. It's not working. As shown by recent polling, you've pulled that up, uh, Josiah, so I can read it off. It looks like Ruben Gallego is in a really strong spot here. So a recent poll shows Gallego at 36%. That's up six outside of the margin of error on Kerry Lake. Lake at 30%, Cinema at 21%. And uh, then if you take Cinema out, is that what that other number was? 46% Gallego's at, ooh, Kerry, that's brutal. And uh, that and then 37% is where Kerry uh, Lake said. So polling-wise, we're looking good in Arizona for the Senate race. Then money, and I hate how much of a role money plays in politics, but it plays a massive role. Also not looking good for Kerry Lake. The Hill reports, Gallego raises $3.3 million in fourth quarter, exceeding Lake in Arizona Senate race. So, she had about $2 million, to put that in okay. context. So I mean, like, it's not looking good. And as a matter of fact, I've written articles about this on LukeBeasleyShow.com uh, on that website of yours. And you've done videos about this, but the fundraising has been consistently brutal for Carrie Lake. And for Republicans generally, the RNC is just suffering financially and Trump also suffering. <laughs> he spent uh, either his campaign or one of his PACs more money 
you know, then they're even bringing in. They spent 50 million, 50 million on legal fees, 50 million, <laughs> which a funny number was he spent more on legal expenses than Nikki Haley, who's his you know, current competitor in the Republican primary, has spent on her campaign actually running for president. Pretty dang bonkers. So before throwing back to you, Josiah, on this, the good news is this act, this denying elections, degrading the media, et cetera, it's not working. No, and what's funny is Republicans seem to forget that there are two stages to an election. There's the primary, then the general, right? And Carrie Lake's attitude is kind of the embodiment of it. She seems to think that for Donald Trump and the Republican Party at a national level, that the election ends at the primary. But as we've discussed on our shows, I think we've even in like collaborative videos, we talked about how the Republican Party has put itself in a position where to have the maximum chance of winning a primary, those same decisions will reduce your chances. Like they're mutually exclusive. Like to a Republican, if you really want to win a primary as an elected official, you want to get as crazy as humanly possible and go full tilt MAGA more than likely. But in so doing, you are taking yourself further away from the general election because, and this is important, MAGA is not the majority. Yep. They think they're that they're the, the unspoken majority. It's just not true. So I suppose Democrats, in a really roundabout way, probably a little bit grateful that Carrie Lake is actually like going full off kilter here because statistically speaking, it's going to hurt her and Trump and MAGA in general in the general election. Can I, you reminded me of something. This is sort of unrelated, but, and I don't want this to turn into a whole thing, a whole riot as these things tend to. But if we can try our best, it's on me, I blame myself. The unspoken majority term you used, there is this belief, and I saw in a recent focus group of Republican voters, MAGA voters. Now, I talk to Republican voters, MAGA voters, um, mostly to say, hey, people who think it's not important to vote and who just casually come across a Trump supporter interview video, this group of individuals will have more power if you stay home and they'll have more say in your life in how your government governs you if you stay home it's less let's try to understand and sympathize with why they want a dictator and i'm so sick of the reality that still to this day even though every institutional advantage is in republicans favor the senate the electoral college etc and they get so overrepresented in the government to an insane degree. And still, a lot of mainstream media, not right-wing media, another way, but mainstream media spends a lot of time saying, well, but let's try to, let's try to figure out what it is, what the, what's the truth they're tapping into. Let's hear from these Republican voters. What about hearing for once? I, well, I'm curious what it is that's bringing people to vote for Joe Biden. Why don't we talk about that? Josiah, I thought you said you did not want this to become a, like a whole rant because it's about to become a whole rant because listen, yes, again, that double standard, folks, listen, as a general principle, as a general principle, there are obvious exceptions. I think the principle of empathy is a good one to have, politically speaking, right? I, I know you talked about this. I know I've talked about this. I have friends and family, people I love dearly oh, yeah. that are not only Republican, but that I would consider as part of the MAGA cult, Okay. That's my interpretation of the people that I love in my life. And I do love them and I do want to understand them. And we're somehow able to navigate, you know, uh, family and friendships despite these enormous political tensions. Understanding is important there, right? 
But we can't have a one-sided understanding. It can't always be the left and liberals and independents, everybody trying to understand and coddle the right. It has to be reciprocated. And this is an expectation which should be imposed on the Republican Party and the right. Hey, you know what? You want these coastal elite Democrats to understand you? Fine. But you should also try to understand the majority of the country who are more likely to back the Democrat than the Republican, as has been the case in the past 30 years, with the one exception of 2004 when President Bush ran for reelection. You all should try to, the, the minority should also try to understand the majority, right? It should be a reciprocal thing. And the fact that it's not, the fact that you will never find a good faith, a genuine Fox op-ed or a Fox News documentary in which Martha McCallum or Jesse Waters or whoever right. runs around LA or New York or just really any densely packed urban area saying, listen, seriously, in good faith, why don't you, why won't you vote for Donald Trump? What do you like about Joe Biden? And then actually try to engage with the subject. They never do that. And Josiah and I, for the purposes of preparing, you know, political commentary show, have to watch an absurd amount of right-wing media. And one of the things I hear come up constantly is, why 2016? That's why Donald Trump won. Because the American people were saying, the silent majority were saying that we want... What about when Joe Biden got more votes than any candidate right. in the history of four states? But Hillary Clinton also got more votes than Donald what Trump about in 2016. What, about, what is that saying? What is the fact that the Republican Party has lost seven out of the last eight popular votes in the national uh, presidential elections? What does that say? Tap into that. And like you mentioned before, Democrats bend over backwards. And in some sense, it's respectable to try to be bipartisan when they're in power, when they have majorities. And they do. The PACT Act. The Chips and Science Act and the infrastructure law and the gun safety bill, some of Biden's biggest achievements were bipartisan. And we probably could have done more if we had just ignored that and done car routes to the filibuster and done more. But they didn't because they care a lot about bipartisanship. Then Republicans get into power and they say, no, we have a mandate. We can do what we want because we now have a majority with all these crazy institutional advantages that we have, even though they represent just statistically a smaller portion of the country. So, yeah, let's work with the minority of the country. Let's work with those who aren't uh, implementing as popular of positions. But also the other way around makes a whole lot of sense too. Makes maybe even more sense, right? Especially when, you know, the mandate comes from popular consensus and popular consent. But Republicans don't do that. And instead, what the Republican Party at the elected level, at the leadership level wants to do is just simply depress voter turnout, right? They have rigged the game in their system. They're like, we don't need to appeal to as many people as possible. We can simply hew to these minoritarian institutions and still stand a pretty damn good chance of winning elections. That, sorry, yes, that reminds me. Remember when he said he didn't want this to be a rant? That's what he said. I want you to remember this. When this turns into a 45-minute video, I want <laughs> you to remember this. Right, you brought it up. You're right. And then when they'll bring up, oh, 2020 Biden won because of mail-in voting. You know what? First of all, Shut up. Second of all, sure, let's let's go with that. What does that say? It says when people have it a little bit more convenient to vote and we actually hear the voice of the American people a little bit more accurately because you haven't proven there was any widespread voter fraud. So it was the voice of the American people. Democrats get more votes than any in American history. It's crazy. I want to update you on. I'm sorry that we're doing 
two uh, Carrie Lake stories so close together, but I <laughs> I do want to update you on a little bit of a feud as just I walks away between Megan McCain, daughter of of course late Senator John McCain, and Carrie Lake. One of the things that you've noticed if you've kept up with Carrie Lake is that she sort of I guess as a way of supporting Trump became really anti-McCain. Of course, McCain being a prominent figure uh, during his time in politics in Arizona politics. And so her running in Arizona, for some reason, she thought it was a smart political decision or a way to back up Trump to go after John McCain after he had passed away. And I'll show you some examples of that in just a moment. Well, now, as we talked about in a previous segment, things aren't looking so good in her campaign, polling-wise or the financial situation. And so it seems to be that she's panicking a little bit and trying to make peace with what is referred to in Arizona as your McCain Republicans, more moderate, non-MAGA Republicans, who, because they didn't show up for her, are the reason she legitimately, contrary to her claims, lost the gubernatorial race in 2022. Wait a minute, I've been told that she is, in fact, governor of Arizona. Are you telling me that that's a lie? Can you imagine? I don't know. Republican lying about a lie. Strange. Shocking. Well, on that, she publicly is now trying to sort of play that off, everything she said in the past is jokes, and make peace with Meghan McCain, again, daughter of John McCain, and win back over some of those John McCain Republicans. It's brutal. It's cringy. And McCain is not having it. And we'll walk through all that. First, let me give you the context and show you two examples of what Carrie Lake said during her gubernatorial race about John McCain after, again, he'd already passed away. We drove a stake through the heart of the McCain machine. I think we're learning a lot about what McCain was up to. I just saw a video of him from several years back in Ukraine, and and he was a very powerful politician. He wielded a ton of power. He ran Arizona with uh, an iron fist. He, he controlled the entire political scene in Arizona from top to bottom. And they don't want to give up that power. John McCain may be dead, but he is reaching up from the grave trying to keep power on Arizona. And it was never about power that helped the people of Arizona. It was never about that. It was about maintaining his power, incredible power in the entire U.S., world power, and he had complete power over Arizona. And rarely did he do anything good for the people. And the people are aware of that. They are trying. They're on their last gasp. So, of course, Trump very prominently said that McCain wasn't a hero or question if he was a hero because uh, he, how did Trump word it? Trump likes people who weren't captured. And this is one thing that I don't understand with some of these MAGA figures, separate from their own personal immorality or low character. From a political standpoint, why do you pick these fights? The quote-unquote John McCain Republicans weren't causing trouble for Carrie Lake, and she just chose to alienate them. Then, as Tim Miller has repeatedly pointed out to Carrie Lake's faith. That is why she, one of the reasons, lost the election. She was, at different points, it seemed to be the favor or the favorite in that election. Um, but that's Scary. what she had to say. That's terrifying. Yeah. So before getting to the responses on that thing, what is that about? 
Just yeah, yeah. It's it's typical Trump fashion. It's hold the whole MAGA mindset of picking unnecessary fights as a demonstration of strength or intemperance or or whatever. Now, I mean, obviously, prior to Donald Trump's victory, Senator McCain was pretty critical of Donald Trump's character, understandably so, right? And then, of course, that grudge deepened further when John McCain tanked Trump's uh, ill-devised, very stupid, irresponsible attempt to repeal Obamacare, the famous, the infamous no vote. Um, Carrie Lake had no obligation to pick that fight with John McCain, especially because John McCain had been dead at the time. So it's just it just goes to show the complete lack of strategy and reflexive divisiveness of the MAGA movement. But now she's changing her tune, and it's so fascinating. Because she realizes, even though she's telling her followers the last election was stolen, she realizes she lost fair and square. So if you could pull up this post um, from Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake. Well, first, actually, Meghan McCain said, Carrie Lake is trying to walk back her continued attacks on my dad and family and all of his loyal supporters after telling them to get the hell out. At an event, Carrie Lake said, if you're a John McCain Republican, get the hell out. Guess she realized she can't become a senator without us. No peace, B-word. We see you for who you are and are repulsed by it. Then, Carrie Lake, and Josiah, you have such a beautiful radio voice. Do you want to... Hit us with the next response from Carrie Lake. He'll be the voice of Carrie Lake. <sighs> Hi, Megan. As mothers, both with two kiddos, I know we both agree that our children's future is too important to let it slip away over past grudges or hurt feelings. That's why I'm working hard to unite Republicans, independents, Democrats, all Americans. We're facing huge challenges, and it's going to take all hands on deck to pull things back from the brink. My dad passed away from cancer, too. I trust and believe if our fathers were still with us, they would do everything they could to save this republic. Our movement to save Arizona and America is growing, and it's mama bears like us who are leading the charge. All moms want the same thing, to leave our children a better America than the one we had. It's as simple as that. I want to make Senator McCain and Larry Lake proud. I value you. I value your family, and I value the passion you have for our state. I'd love nothing more than to buy you a beer, a coffee, or lunch and pick your brain about how we can work together to strengthen our state. My team is sending you my contact info. If you're willing to meet, it would mean a lot to me. Thank you, Megan. I hope we can connect soon. God bless. And again, Megan's not having any of it. We'll get to an interview after that. Well, I just want to say, Luke, she says in that letter, that's why I'm working hard to unite Republicans, independents, oh Democrats, gosh. all Americans. If this is her working hard to do that, what would her not working at all? Tweet. Yeah. Well, it looks like what she was saying before. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, okay, there's one thing to say you're trying to unite with McCain Republicans in Arizona specifically. It's another thing to say you're trying to unite all Americans. Really? Really, Carrie? <laughs> Ridiculous. But this is interesting. I said in the previous segment about Carrie Lake that it's not working. The act is up. There was some excitement around it at the beginning. That's why Trump won. It's up. People are sick of it. And she gets that. And she does want to be MAGA, but she wants more to get power. And so this is her desperately trying to do so. But it's so disingenuous. And it shows she didn't believe those things about Megan, uh, not Megan, about John McCain reaching out from the grave, and all these horrible things. It was just at the time what she thought was politically advantageous because it would get her the MAGA celebrity she wanted so badly. Now it's not, so she's flipping around. 
with that being said, here is uh, Megan McCain responding during an interview to this same subject. So would your dad have laughed at that joke from Kerry Lake? I mean, I think we all know the answer to that. And I think it's really kind of fascinating that this whole thing is blowing up as much as it is. It's getting like international attention, like The Guardian is writing about all of this. And, you know, I think I I just my entire take on this situation is just that the internal polling for Carrie Lake's campaign must be just staggeringly awful and scary to them when it comes to independents and McCain Republicans not voting for her. Mm. I think there's some kind of data that they've seen. There's public data we've all seen that shows that there is a giant swath of Arizonans who will never vote for this woman in no small part because of how much she has attacked my dad, who is a beloved Arizona icon. And also there are many people like you, Bruce, who consider themselves proud McCain Republicans. And we wear that proudly. We are not MAGA dear leader, Kim Jong-un, Trump, you know, people. Mm. And I think that her and her team have had a very, very, uh, you know, cataclysmic misunderstanding of the people that we are, the kind of Republicans that we are, and the amount of support that my dad still has, even, you know, five years in death. Let me just say one thing that I want to throw out to you. I'm talking too much. But just to be clear, the attacks are vile, but it's, it's about more than that. Uh, it is about when we talk about her never being able to win over McCain Republicans. It's because of what she stands for. And that's not what the few moderate Republicans are on board with. They're not for terminating the Constitution like Trump called for or trying to install himself as president after a Democratic election, whatever. They're not for those things. And that's also at the core of this. Go ahead. Well, no. I, so listen, John McCain. Um, I was not a fan of John McCain when he ran against President Obama, right? I thought President Obama was the better candidate by far. Um, and the Republican Party had major issues in the Bush and McCain era. There's no question about it. But one thing I will give John McCain is I do think John McCain was a statesman, right? In the sense that, you know, he got along, uh, even at times when he'd lose his temper, he got along with uh, now for former President Obama during the election. Um, he even defended President Obama from some of the most spurious and and, you know, kind of repulsive criticisms that were baseless from even his own audience on live television during rallies. So this is a man who I don't think we would have ever had concerns about respecting the outcome of free and fair elections, yeah. for example. Right. And he conceded he formally conceded uh, to then President elect Obama when he lost. Right. So McCain was a statesman. Um obviously wildly different views on policy and everything else, but he at least valued the Republic, which ironically Carrie Lake says that she does, but all of her actions signal to the contrary. She puts party, actually no, she puts party leader above party, yep. above country. And that is the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do. Mm, well said. I want to cover, I hate to do this to us, Josiah, but uh, speech that Donald Trump delivered in Columbia, South Carolina <laughs> at the Black Conservative Foundation event. And given the context of the event, he decided he would address Black Americans in a way that, well, you'll see. Uh, so let's start off with this clip. Les, would you rather have the Black president or the white president who got $1.7 off the price? I think they want the white guy. Right now. Oh, what, a, 
Why? Why is he the way that he is? Uh, let's just quickly before responding, jump to this one, too. Good. These lights are so bright in my eyes that I can't see too many people out there. But uh, I can only see the black ones. I can't see any white ones, you see? That's how far I've come. That's how far I've come. That's a long, that's a long way, isn't it? These lights. <laughs> Uh, we've come a long way together. Lynn Patton. Hmm. Just there? No. I just <laughs> want to. No. Uh, he is the most, he's just the most embarrassing person, right? I think in the history of civilization. Like, that is something I could see leave the mouth of Ron DeSantis. <laughs> but Donald Trump, who's supposed, I've been told, I've been told that Donald Trump yeah. is charismatic, Right. That's what I've been told, and I suppose we see evidence of it, given that he is the biggest cult in the history of American politics. What was that? <laughs> that was so weird. And you could tell he hesitated. Except for the black people. For Donald room. Trump to hesitate. Right. Like, you know, please tell me that's the last clip. Oh, no. More. A lot of people said that that's why the black people like me, because they have been hurt so badly and discriminated against. And they actually viewed me as I'm being discriminated against. It's, it's been pretty amazing. But it possibly, I don't know, maybe there's something there. But I got also sued. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that one. What? So this comes within the context of him saying that he is experiencing what Alexei Navalny experienced. Somebody who very likely was killed. And now he's saying, I'm experiencing discrimination, at least the people say, like black Americans did, because they were discriminated against. What discrimination is he talking about? What? We're discriminating against him because he wants to end democracy? Oh, ooh, ooh. or he's being discriminated against because he has to pay money for engaging in fraud, or he's being discriminated against because he has to pay money for sexually abusing someone? Yeah, it's like, it's so low-key, gross, and insulting and he may not even be thinking about it in these terms, but like suggesting that these are issues that are prevalent among the black community, fraud and, and you know, fascism and all the things <laughs> like just really weird stuff. Now, tell me that's the last clip. We're like, we're done, right? Uh, my, my, the mugshot, we've all seen the mugshot. And you know who embraced it more than anybody else? The black population. It's incredible. You see black people walking around with my mugshot. You know, they do shirts and they sell them for $19 a piece. It's pretty amazing. That perfectly bolsters what you were just saying. Him thinking the black community likes the mugshots. Because why? Why? What's the one reason? What would be the one thing you're asserting there? And even the conservative audience. No, they don't. Like, did you hear the... Yeah. Like, the yeah, that was so that I can't I can't do it now. Are we done? Are we done? Oh, before you know what? Play a clip. We have I built a lot of buildings and I want to tell you a black worker is a great worker. You've done an incredible job. They've done an incredible job. He really knows how to just Charm. inspire people. He you know, is. you have the For great sure. speakers of of history and uh, right up there you have Donald Trump. Black workers, they were the best workers. It's it's so embarrassing. But I know a lot of black people. They worked for me. It, it's so embarrassing, but it would be bad enough if it just ended at this top five Trump cringiest speech of all time. 
But here's the thing. He's actively, not just Trump, but also other Republicans, Republican surrogates, like Senator Tim Scott, they're trying to make the case that Donald Trump was some sort of transformative president for the African-American community. And uh, the I feel like I feel like we have to debunk or address some of the lies with respect yeah. to that. Let's do it. On top of that, who's the president who brought the most money in for historically black colleges and universities? Donald Trump. <laughs> so just I know you have a fact check to get to. Before doing that, I just want you all to hold in your mind. OK, just hold this in your mind. <laughs> the fact that they could just say everyone should be doing this, uh, that Donald Trump once claimed he has been better for the black community than any president. And Josiah is still doing it for some reason. <laughs> you said hold it. So you want me to not hold it? Okay, you make right. up your mind. You're right. I'm sorry. Um, he said, now I'm getting discombobulated, better than any president for the black community. Maybe even, he worded it, than Abraham Lincoln. So just hold that. Now go. Yeah. So obviously that's super gross and inaccurate. But when it comes to the specific lies about HBCUs, this is something that the Trump or Trump campaign has been peddling for, for, I mean, this election cycle. They can't actually campaign on their records. They have to engage in revisionist history about what the record was. Bunch of issues. So it's And it's a bunch of sanitation, too. They try to sanitize the entire thing. So you have Tim Scott saying, hey, listen, okay, Donald Trump did more for the black community than any president, especially with respect to HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, except it's not true. Okay, and I actually wrote about this on your website, as a matter of fact, LukeBeasleyShow.com slash news. As a matter of fact, you should check that out. But in fact, President Biden, in his first major piece of legislation, the American Rescue Plan, which was a partisan vote, no Republican voted for this, none. It allocated $2.7 billion to HBCUs, dwarfing the figure that came out of the Trump administration, number one. So Biden has just objectively better in that respect, by far. Tim Scott is lying. Number two, the only reason that any funds whatsoever uh, were allocated under the Trump administration wasn't because of Trump, but because of a Democratic congresswoman from North Carolina named Alma Adams. Okay, Trump actually tried to zero out, zero out the federal funds that would have been allocated to HBCUs. Okay, so he should get no credit whatsoever. And even if we're being absurdly generous to Donald Trump, which we should never be, but even if we do, he still loses because Biden has done better. All right. And on Biden, if you could pull up the statement that Biden, um, his campaign or someone in his campaign, I think, statement from Biden Harris 2024, Black Media Director Jasmine Harris. Let me just read some of this to you. The audacity of Donald Trump to speak to a room full of black voters during Black History Month as if he isn't the proud poster boy for modern racism. This is the same man who falsely accused the Central Park Five, questioned George Floyd's humanity, compared his own impeachment trial to being lynched, and ensured the unemployment gap for black uh, workers spiked during his presidency. Donald Trump has been showing black Americans his true colors for years, an incompetent anti-black tyrant who holds us to such low regard that he publicly dined, and this is somehow true, with white nationalists as I almost knocked water off of the desk, who dined with white nationalists, Fuentes, a week after declaring his 2024 candidacy. Come November, no matter how many disingenuous voter engagement events he attends, black Americans will show Donald Trump we know exactly who he is. Whew, that was brutally effective. That is the sort of repudiation that we should expect any time yes. that Donald Trump peddles lies, right? 
And the thing is, though, Tim Scott didn't just stop at the HBCUs. Okay, it, that's bad enough. But then, because you've covered this before on economic videos and so have I, he tries to appeal to the idea that Donald Trump had the lowest unemployment for African Americans in the United States. And yet, he seems to have forgotten, I don't know, the past couple of years. Let's take a look. And Scott, thank you both for being with us. We've spoken some on the show tonight about the black and Hispanic vote, which seems to be trending more toward the Republican Party, specifically because of the America First agenda of President Trump. And this new Siena College poll is showing that President Trump has 41 percent of the Latino vote, 26 percent of the African-American vote. Um, what is he doing and what can he do more of to even expand? It looks like we got a different clip there. That was Laura Ingram. But. Obviously, Tim Scott's echoing that. And that is this talking point. I've run into it, too, oh, in these conversations where people say, well, listen, I know Trump did a lot of things that were great, blah, 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 but the economy, unemployment was so low. It was pretty low. You're right. Now, you know about why. Seem to be economic trends continuing after the Obama administration, but fair. Then you have to give, have to, Biden even more credit because he got these metrics even better after a crisis, not after being handed a good economy. And that includes black unemployment. Yeah. And there, what she cited was it was under, whoops, sorry, it got under 6%. Without mentioning, it got under 5 under Joe Biden. No, 100%. And, and that's the thing. So, like, again, trying to figure out how Republican elected officials' memory works is fascinating. Because presidential terms are typically four years. But again, they always shave 2020 off for Donald Trump. Yeah. Like 2020 doesn't count. And then they forget who the president is now unless they need to remember. And then but again, so the fact of the matter is that Republicans can say what they want. But the facts show that these economic metrics are better under Joe Biden and black unemployment is lower under Joe Biden than it ever was under Donald Trump. And I just also love you know, not to take things for granted, but I love how Laura Ingram and others are saying, see, these things are trending in favor of Republicans. The poll she cited said 26% supported Donald Trump. That doesn't seem to be like an over impressive statistic, right? I, mean, yeah, I don't just, even think that will, but yeah, right. It is. That's the amazing feather word. in your cap, I guess. Yeah. Done. Um, I, you brought up 2020. Sometimes when we'll, Make that point. And Josiah makes it more aggressively than I do, to be fair, um, about not giving Trump a pass on 2020. Not that I don't think, wait, to be clear, I only wish he gave him a pass. He missed mad pandemic, all that. But sometimes people will say, well, it's unfair to say that Joe Biden's record is adding four, uh, 14 million jobs to the economy and Trump's is leaving with fewer jobs than when he got into office, the only time since Hoover. Uh, and I agree, context is important. So, Probably that wouldn't have been the stat if the pandemic didn't happen. But here's what's so dishonest. If you're asking us, MAGA, to do this weird time went from 2019 to 2021, um, and even if we're not doing that, you ask us to give Trump the fact that the pandemic would have hurt any presidency's numbers, which is true, it would have harmed the economy like it did worldwide. But then how dare you ask us to do such a thing if you refuse oh my goodness, refused so aggressively to do the same when it comes to Biden. Meaning, Trump had to deal with the pandemic. True. 
So did Biden. And Biden had to deal with all the aftermaths of Trump's mishandling. And then on all these different things, whether it be inflation or all the work that had to be done to solve the supply chain issues, these were aftermaths of the pandemic and then the recovery efforts that were necessary. Right. And so then the only takeaway you can have is if we're going to say presidents, as we sort of do, are responsible for everything that happens economically under them, then you must be amazed by Joe Biden because he came in during a crisis and got these metrics back to better than they were under Trump when Trump didn't have a crisis to deal with for the first three years of his presidency. What? Yeah. So again, folks, we have an obligation, both for the sake of morality, political ethics, rationality, to not adhere to the asymmetry of expectations, yeah. which should be trademarked, by the way, I'm just saying. But anyway, just I, we shouldn't. We absolutely shouldn't. So whatever standard Republicans want, Dem, you know, Republican, excuse me, presidents get all the blame, all the credit, whatever it is, they should be held to the same standard. So if we're going to factor in the reality of COVID in Trump's performance, fine, but then you should do the same for President Biden. But furthermore, and this is the case that I make on my channel, the reason that I still blame Trump in large part due to COVID mismanagement is because he can't, nobody can look back and say that he did everything in his power to manage the pandemic properly. No. If Trump had honored the science, signal boosted the science, supported his scientific advisors, used the bully pulpit of the presidency to corral Republican governors, Republican attorneys general, Republican politicians to take the pandemic seriously, if he had done all of that and the pandemic still you know, ravaged the country, then I would be infinitely less inclined to blame him because I could say, well, he did everything in his power to manage this crisis well, but he didn't. Therefore, I do blame him. And there's nothing inconsistent about that. But Republicans want you to grade him on a curve. They want you to say Donald Trump gets all the credit for everything that happened between 2017 and 2019, all the credit for the good stuff. Um, 2020 doesn't count. He didn't inherit anything good from Barack Obama, but Joe Biden should get the blame for everything from high gas prices to Putin invading Ukraine to the missing sock in the and the dryer. <laughs> Joe Biden is responsible yeah. for that. Did you know that? There's probably a piece of legislation out Biden. Darn it, Biden. Thanks, Biden. That sort of thing. And it's just, it's really gross. But yeah, just very strange series of comments from Donald Trump and lies from his surrogates um do you think he'll make something like a speech more awkward than that because cpac's not over maybe you know josiah where can people find you youtube.com slash at pondering politics i appreciate the collaboration luke